Chapter 19 of The Apostle of Alaska The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. First Fruits in february eighteen fifty nine mr duncan thought it safe to move the school back to the house he had built for it and dividing the pupils into different classes he found himself able to make better progress than before in instructing them every session of the school was opened with prayer and a short address on a passage or narrative from the bible then he would make the whole school learn a text in english which he explained and paraphrased and which they repeated again and again until it was firmly fixed in their minds singing was a very popular part of the schoolwork simple hymns were translated into their language and old and young were very much interested in learning them gradually the little crowd who gathered around the word every sunday increased and those who had come from the beginning seemed to become more and more interested the influence of the gospel showed itself in many of them it was especially observable in those who attended the school week by week there was a fewer number who came to school painted in the heathen way or with abominable rings or ornaments in their noses or lips soon it was also clearly perceivable that the drunken brawls in the camp were on the decrease some of the chiefs had already let it be known that they would abandon their medicine work and one thing was certain that the heathenish rites were not carried on with the same spirit and dash as heretofore one could notice that a feeling of shame had taken possession of the common people when taking part in the ceremonies instead of the braggadocio which theretofore was one of the concomitants of the medicine and club work no better proof that the teaching of the gospel was taking effect and that the word reached the hearts and consciences of the people can be found than the conduct of a bad man who was present at a service and who finally went away muttering and later was heard to talk badly against mr duncan his trouble was that he was firmly convinced that mr duncan was speaking about him and had been telling the people his bad ways and thus shamed him at a meeting held by several chiefs in the gakes house in march just before the departure of the main body of the people for the ulacan fishing at nass river it was resolved to send word from them to mr duncan that they hoped he would keep on to speak strong against the bad ways of their people and they would also support him with strong speeches but more than mere talk was it when the head chief legaic himself on the sixth of april came to the school this time not to kill the teacher but in order to sit at his feet and learn about the good ways this example was soon followed by many and during the year four or five other chiefs diligently attended school in august the following event took place one kushwat had been bitten by a dog belonging in the fort according to the indian custom he was to take out his revenge on one of the whites and as mr duncan was the only one he could conveniently get at he went in his rage to the schoolhouse to kill him as he found the door locked he smashed it cut out the lock and destroyed some books and other property it was really the time for mr duncan to be at school but fortunately for him he had been called to see an old indian woman who was suffering from peritonitis he told her that he had to go to the fort to consult his books and to mix some medicine for her as he stood in his room rolling some pills which he had prepared in magnesia two indians came rushing in they were very much excited brought with them the piece which had been cut out of the door and begged of him not to go outside the fort as kushwat had sworn that he would kill him 
one of them an old man one of the first to come out to his services begged him with tears in his eyes not to show himself outside the fort that day but mr duncan was immovable he had promised the old woman to come and see her again she would expect him he felt that it was his duty to keep his promise that god would protect him in the discharge of his duty and he went on his way as he left the fort the indians shouted after him if kushwat kills you we will kill him he had to pass near kushwat's house in going to see the old woman he went by with his head erect whistling in a careless manner he imagined he saw some one moving inside the door but nothing happened while he was in his patient's house a woman came in it was kushwat's wife he noticed that she crossed the floor and observed him very closely he looked up cast a careless glance in her direction and went on with his work later on he found that she had been sent to see whether he appeared scared or flustered if he had so appeared the indian would have killed him without doubt that was their way if he was not afraid then the indian did not dare to attack him as duncan's spirit would then have been on top on coming out the idea occurred to him to go directly past the house as there was some other sick people farther away whom he might visit now when there was to be no school in the afternoon but then it came to him no you have no duty to go there god will protect you in the discharge of your duty but not when you recklessly run into danger so he turned and went back to the fort nothing happened he paid no attention to what kushwat had done only put on a new lock and went about his usual business and now was apparent the change which had come over the hearts of the indians during the last half year he had used his strongest powers of persuasion to keep them from taking measures of revenge against kushwat for doing what he had against him and for threatening his life that all days of danger however were not yet over is shown by the following incident mr duncan who had noticed that the indian children never played or laughed or even smiled determined to get his school children to have some innocent amusement as well as instruction he therefore in november after the potatoes had been dug from the garden at the fort secured the captain's permission to use a portion of this garden for a playground for his scholars and erected on it a greased pole with a cap on top which was to belong to the boy who could first get hold of it they had quite a time of it some of the old people gathering to look at the contest as well as quite a lot of children too small to take part as it was cold and the children were scantily dressed he was afraid that the little ones who were just looking on were getting chilly so he proposed that they run after him and to the one who would catch him he promised to give a piece of soap the little children who already had become quite attached to the kind loving schoolmaster started to run one of them stumbled and fell some of the others laughed at the clumsiness of the little tot who was foolish enough to cry at the mishap mr duncan noticed a commotion over in the crowd of people but did not know till it was all over what was up lucole the father of the child a medicine man who had no love for mr duncan then or afterwards angry at his child having been shamed and using the indian logic that it would not have happened had not mr duncan asked them to run after him and catch him had lifted his gun pointed it at mr duncan and undoubtedly would have killed him then and there had it not been for his own nephew who grabbed hold of the muzzle of the gun pushed it to the ground and held it there till others could disarm the outraged medicine man lucole was some years later killed by this very nephew the following summer mr duncan at the joint request of bishop hills of the diocese of columbia and of governor douglas 
spent a couple of months while his indians were away on their fishing trips at victoria where it was thought he could be of great assistance in helping to organize a movement to control and christianize the indian camps near victoria where many of the upcoast indians came for trading and worse purposes he showed his ability as an organizer in this work his plans were fully approved by the authorities and could he himself have been permitted to carry them out they would unquestionably have proven of great benefit but the people afterwards chosen to carry them into execution unfortunately did not have the requisite courage and the work fell through after mr duncan had left for the northland with rev l s tugwell a missionary who upon duncan's repeated requests upon the society to send him a married missionary in order that the indians might be taught christian home life had with his young wife been sent out from england and arrived in victoria in the month of august eighteen sixty mr duncan of course started for fort simpson with his new assistants on the first steamer going north on arriving at the fort he addressed mrs tugwell now don't bother about the luggage mrs tugwell your husband and i will look after that but we have no bread in the house will you kindly make us some biscuits you will find the flour over there why mr duncan was her answer i don't know how to make biscuits i have never made any biscuits in all my life one can hardly blame mr duncan when he of late in speaking of this incident said what do you think of that the church missionary society had sent more than five thousand miles someone to help me to teach indians christian home life and here i was obliged to make bread for her myself the very first day she was in my house it is only fair however to say that mrs tugwell for the little more than a year that she and her husband spent at fort simpson proved a much greater value than her first day's lack of usefulness would seem to give promise of as the accommodations in the fort now had become wholly inadequate mr duncan concluded to build a dwelling house outside where he placed in charge of mrs tugwell some of the older schoolgirls who were getting to an age when they required a christian mother's care and someone to look after them all the time and this position mrs tugwell to the best of her ability filled with great zeal and christian earnestness in the month of april eighteen sixty mr duncan had undertaken a journey up the nass river in order to carry the gospel tidings to the tsimshean tribes there but as he was not at the time able to get to the upper villages and now had been authorized by the governor to warn all the tribes in the northwestern part of the province against bringing their young women to victoria he after returning to fort simpson with the tugwells made another tour up nass river on which trip he visited all the different villages located up that great stream on going away from the fort on canoe trips he always took with him for paddlers some young boys of his scholars if he had one adult for counsel as to navigation which he deemed safest he always made it a point to choose an old man whom he could expect to be able to overpower should he attack him for the purpose of robbery that was the extent of confidence he yet had in the indians so much had been preached to him by the fort people of their treachery on this trip he was happily surprised as to the character of the old man he had taken along he says himself one night when i was camping out after a weary day the supper and the little instruction being over my crew of indians excepting one old man quickly spread their mats near the fire and lay down to sleep in pairs each sharing his fellow's blanket the one old man sat near the fire smoking his pipe i crept into my little tent but after some time put my head outside to see that all was right 
the old man was just making his bed a thin bark mat on the ground a little box of grease and a few dried salmon for his pillow a shirt on and a blanket around him another bark mat over all his head included when everything was adjusted he put his pipe down and offered up in his own tongue this simple little prayer be merciful to me jesus then he drew his feet up and was soon lost to view methinks mr duncan had no fear of any attempt at robbery on the part of this old man after that day the reception which he met with at one of the upper villages on his second trip up nass river is so unique that it must be told as i heard him tell it one day in the church at metlakahtla to a party of tourists but i desire to preface the narrative with the remark that not only had the news of mr duncan's preaching the gospel at the lower villages the foregoing spring reached these tribes but more than that the tale of the wonderful influence which he had already exercised over so many of the fort simpson indians had undoubtedly penetrated into the interior and filled these savage hearts with awe and wonderment on the eighth day of september mr duncan started from the uppermost of the lower villages on the nass river on his journey upstream the current in this river is so rapid that it is almost impossible to make much headway unless a man acquainted with the eddies of the river is at the helm mr duncan therefore with thanks accepted the generous offer of kintsada the chief to pilot him on his trip soon after he had arrived at aquilaka's village and had encamped on the river bank messengers from the chief came to tell him that the chief's house was not in order just then but that he was going to arrange it right away and then would send many messengers to him to tell him to come after an hour or so several persons came down to the river bank in state to invite him to come to the chief's house and be present at his dance mr duncan was shocked and told the messengers that he had not come to participate in a dance that his errand was too solemn a one for that the messengers retired but soon came back with word from the chief that if the white chief would not come to his dance he would not come to the white chief's talk but that if he came the chief and all his people would come and listen to him mr duncan still had some scruples about going the idea of a missionary proceeding to a dance had something abhorrent in it to him but when the young chief finally came himself and explained to him that a dance with them meant just the same as the book with the white people whatever he may have meant by this duncan concluded that he had better give in for once and so went with his crew to the chief's house upon entering he said i was with many ceremonies shown to a box which had been placed for me covered with an expensive fur in front of a sail doing service as a curtain there were many people in the house over to one side sat a number of women who later on acted as a chorus i looked just as glum as i knew how i was not going to smile at their dancing anyhow and felt half inclined to turn back even after i had been seated soon a man with a long staff in his hand stepped out in front of the curtain he made a respectful bow to me and said welcome chief as another man came out and placed himself by his side he commenced a sort of improvised chant are the heavens going to change the hearts of our old men now he chanted striking the time with his staff perhaps so the other man answered the choir now fell in asserting that the heavens were going to change the hearts of their people when suddenly the curtain was drawn aside and the young chief arrayed in a beautiful suit stepped forward with very graceful movements struck an exceedingly imposing attitude right in front of me saluted me and then looked up to the bit of heaven showing through the opening in the centre of the ceiling 
found in all indian houses to let the smoke escape by and to my great amazement instead of dancing commenced to recite a most beautiful prayer this is about what he said in his own sonorous flowing language pity us great father in heaven pity us give us thy good book to do us good and clear away our sins this chief has come to tell us about thee it is good great father we want to hear whoever came to tell our fathers thy will no no but this chief has pitied us and come he has thy book we will hear we will receive thy word we will obey then he started a plaintive chant sounding almost like a hymn it was an improvisation of how the heavenly chief had taken pity on them and sent the white chief to tell them the great truth every little while the chorus would repeat what he had sung he then made a speech to me offering me the glad hand of his people in the afternoon the whole village came to my tent to hear me preach prominent among them was an old blind chief of the uppermost village on the river skothina by name who was greatly impressed by the message and repeated the glad tidings about jesus again and again to the people and told them that a change had now come over their hearts he even started a prayer himself to jesus to take his sins away after supper the chief from the lower village who had acted as my pilot up the river told me that the old blind chief would like to be allowed to come to my evening's devotion with my crew which request was cheerfully granted about thirty came with him hearing me singing christian hymns took their hearts completely i had to promise to teach them to sing the next day which i did trying to instruct them to sing jesus my saviour in their own language in the afternoon many of the men came to me and wanted me to write out so that they could preserve it and always look at it a pledge not to drink any intoxicating liquors any more to this pledge they each attached their mark folded it up carefully and took it away with them this was probably the first temperance meeting ever held on the banks of the nass river some years later a mission was started under the direction of mr duncan by the rev r a doolan at kincoleth the place of the scalps at the mouth of the river this mission was later on most successfully carried on by the rev r tomlinson and later still by the rev now the venerable archdeacon w h collinson who together with his interesting family still keeps the mission fire burning at this place returning to fort simpson it is to be said that during the winter of eighteen sixty and eighteen sixty one the attendance at the church was very encouraging some two or three hundred at every service and this though there were three services every sunday two for adults and one for the children as these services as well as the school were conducted in the native tongue and as mr tugwell did not seem to be able to make much headway in his study of the language of course the burden of the work continued to rest on mr duncan's shoulders but the mere presence of a sympathizing co-worker and the encouraging words and cordial sympathy of a good earnest christian brother were thoroughly appreciated by him and undoubtedly gave more strength than the mere taking of the burden of work from his shoulders could have done what he experienced in his solitude both before this time and later on when disappointments came in his work when he saw one or another fall back into sin and his heart was faint we can easily imagine he has himself told me that many a night when he felt faint and discouraged he before closing his eyes ardently implored god to never let him see another day the lord always hears the prayers of his children it is said so he did in this case but in his own way 
he did not answer the prayer to take his servant home in his sleep but he heard it by giving him greater strength to do the day's work and by sending now and then great encouragement so that he could plainly perceive that it was the lord's work he was allowed to do the attendance at the school this winter was from one hundred to one hundred and fifty children and from forty to fifty adults on new year's day the first school feast among the natives was held soup rice and molasses were served to an assembly of over two hundred and fifty and speeches singing and games were greatly enjoyed by all present during the second and third weeks of january mr duncan again called at the houses of the different chiefs and in the evening held preaching services now here and then there in order to reach those who had not come out to his regular meetings during this fortnight the gospel was thus preached to fourteen hundred indians all told the schoolhouse had now become too small and during the summer preparations were made to erect a building seventy-six by thirty-six to serve both as a church and a schoolhouse for the first time the indians themselves contributed towards its cost not only by giving their labor but also by direct contributions in the way of baskets carved spoons and native dishes which all found a ready market in victoria as curios at the first service after the new schoolhouse was opened in the fall of eighteen sixty one upwards of four hundred indians attended the largest congregation ever gathered together up to that time mr duncan had for some time carried on two weekly meetings for those who were candidates for baptism and inquirers for the truth he considered this the most interesting part of his work and had the pleasure of seeing them attended sometimes by as many as forty earnest seekers for the eternal truth in the month of october the state of mrs tugwell's health compelled the tugwells to give up their work and return to england before leaving mr tugwell on the twenty sixth day of july eighteen sixty one had the pleasure of receiving into the church by the sacrament of baptism twenty-three persons fourteen men five women and four children the first fruits of the earnest and strenuous labors of mr duncan among the Timshians. several others came forward asking baptism but for several reasons mainly because they did not seem advanced enough in instruction they were advised to wait others who desired baptism and were fit for it were at this time deterred from taking a step by fear of their fierce relatives the only children baptized were those of christian parents while he remained in the society's service mr duncan did not himself baptize the converts as he was not an ordained minister only in a few isolated cases did he make an exception in baptizing those who were dying when no priest of the church could be reached mr duncan at about this time writes thus of the newly baptized since these have come fairly out there has been more of a persecuting spirit abroad from the lord's enemies this we may expect to be increased the converts are severely tried and tempted at present but we pray that they may be preserved faithful while some have decided and many increasingly many are anxious others the wicked wax worse and worse drunkenness seems to gather strength as the facilities for it increase End of chapter nineteen